Thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are and what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you want to partner with us by giving into this ministry, we invite you to do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message from our Oklahoma City campus pastor, Oscar Ortiz. Welcome everyone that's watching online and let you know we're excited to to share God's word with you in this Christmas season. And as we get ready to, to just dive in into this day, we, we recognize sometimes that many, many of us might be just going through the Christmas craziness right now and or the Christmas chaos. And, and, and Sundays like this, it's good to come together as a family and just have a quick reminder that it's going to be okay, okay, that it's going to be okay. If Macaulay Coughlin, you know, made it through Christmas by himself, being home alone, you can, you will make it this Christmas, and God is, God is with you. Hey, so excited that you're with us today, whether this is your first or second time, I want to welcome you. Hey, let me remind you, we got some, some things happening this week, on Thursday and Friday, we have our Christmas candle lighting. It's going to be at 5.30 here at the OKC campus and at 6 at the, uh, at the Edmond campus. You don't want to miss it, okay? We have two amazing worship gatherings for candle lighting. They're going to be awesome, awesome, and there's going to be a ton of kids. It's going to be super cute, and it's one of my favorites every year, so don't miss it. But some of the things that are happening just right around the corner, uh, just in a few weeks, I want to give you a heads up is that we're going to have a worship night uh, at each campus on Sunday, January the 9th, uh, at 5.30 at both campuses. But I w- what I want to remind you is that that is in preparation for our 21 days of prayer and fasting that will start the following day on January the 10th. So I'm telling you before you have all your Christmas cooking and eating so that you can still celebrate it, and we will start it till January the 10th because God always does some amazing things through that and prepares our heart for uh, for the year and what what he what he's gonna do. So jump in and be a part of that because uh, it's gonna be pretty awesome. Uh, before we get started today, I felt that it was a little um, necessary to kind of remind ourselves that there are times when we dive into God's word that we read it or we view it with a preconceived understanding according to our culture or experience. So whenever we read the Bible, even as we discuss thoughts and themes, like the theme of peace that we're going to be diving into for a little bit, we have to sometimes pause and recognize that there is a gap sometimes between what the biblical authors meant and what our current understanding is. So let me give you an example. I remember growing up and my dad taking me to a Mexican restaurant in Mexico, and I was about nine years old. And even though I was not, I remember this is this memory has been embedded in my mind for over 30 years. Because as we were eating, now we're eating in a border town called Acuña Coahuila, Mexico. Okay. Can you say it with me? Acuña Coahuila? Don't even try. Okay. It's, just, it's a border town, so 
because of that, you always see people that are not from Mexico there. And at this specific time, I recognized these two tall gentlemen. I could tell immediately they were not from Mexico. Uh, by the color of their eyes and the color of the skin, and then by, by, by what they were about to do. So they order their, their tacos. And I don't know what it was about their tacos, but maybe they weren't crunchy enough or... Or maybe they were too, like, it, it was too hot. They were just taken out of the, the pan and they were too hot. Or maybe they were too spicy hot. But I've never seen that, this done before. They proceeded to grab ice from their cup of water and put it inside their tacos. And I'm nine, ten years old and I'm just thinking, ¿Qué está pasando? Que Dios mío, ¿Qué está pasando? ¿Qué? Like, what's, what's happening? And, and they proceeded to eat their tacos with ice. And listen, I'm, I'm not going to judge anyone. If you're here and if you put ice on your tacos, I'm just, I just want to tell you, we're not the same. You, you and I are not the same, okay? If you ever show up with, with ice, uh, you know, come to my house for dinner and you bring ice, uh, you won't make it past the, 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 the front door. Just let me tell you. You will offend me to my core. But sometimes we take the same attitude when we read the Bible. When, when there's some things that we just automatically, sometimes we automatically assume what they mean without going into the cultural context of how that verse was cooked. And then we begin to add a little bit of, of our understanding on top of it just so that it can make sense a little bit or so that we can digest it a little better and feel better about what it means. One of the things or the topics that we're going to be talking about today is peace. But I must recognize sometimes the biblical peace is different from our earthly understanding of peace. So before we dive into it, we must understand that there's a cultural difference. I, I'll take it a step further. I googled Jesus paintings on Google and 23 pictures of Jesus showed up the first time. Now, by looking at this, 20 out of the, those 23 pictures, they, they don't even look Jewish at all. And I mean, not, not, not to mention, you know, you have the one at the bottom, at the very bottom left that looks like Harrison Ford. And the one in the middle with the yellow bubble gum that Jesus is blowing up that's bigger than his. I don't even know what's happening with that. But I can tell you, just Google, there's a huge gap between what they, they're missing the cultural aspect of who Jesus is. And, and sometimes we read that in the Bible uh, as well. So don't go by what Google's version of Jesus is. But you have to remember, Jesus was not a blue-eyed white man with kind of blonde hair. He was a dark-skinned Jewish man who spoke Hebrew, Aramaic. And, and so the Bible was not written for American believers. You know, in the King James Version, that was not what they spoke back then. And so I'll take it a step further. Um, and hope, hopefully you have a... a you just understand my heart with this. But this is the Bible, and we know that the Bible is God's word, but God did not give his word in English. 
So this is a translation of God's word. You with me? You with me, right? So that when I speak something that it might be different from what we read, we don't get offended because sometimes, sometimes we idolize the written word over the living word, and you have to be careful that you don't do that. Okay? Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm setting us up to, uh, to kind of recognize that sometimes there are differences of what the Bible says in our, in our understanding, and especially as it relates to Jesus. Now, there's another painting that I want to show you, but this painting was painted by a lady named uh, Akian Kramerik, and she painted the face of a man who kept appearing in her, in her dreams. So she painted this face, but what's strange about this painting is that uh, Akian did not have any, any religious connection. Her parents were both athe atheists. She did not have a TV or, or a radio. She did not have a, a concept of what Christianity was, but she painted what she believed to be the face of Jesus at the age of eight years old. And it took her 40 hours to paint what she believes to be the face of Jesus, and she calls this painting Jesus, Prince of Peace. It's a little bit, I don't know if this is what Jesus looks like to me. He kind of looks like, it kind of looks like what I would picture Jesus to be. But this is the man who kept appearing in, in her dreams. What I want to talk to you about today, I don't want to talk to you about Google's version of peace. I want to talk about Jesus' version of peace. I don't want to talk to you about what our culture wants peace and what our friends hope peace means. I want to talk to you about why God makes a big deal about peace. I don't know about you, but I hope somebody here needs to hear a message about real peace. Not what the world has, but what God has for us. Because he has real peace for you and I. And during this Christmas season, come on, I could, some of us could use a lot of peace. Not just a piece of peace, but the whole pie of peace. And if you're looking for peace in any area of your life, I'm so glad you're here because I know God's word encouraged you, but get ready because he might be a little bit different than the peace that you're hoping to get. In fact, we're going to talk about three aspects of peace or how we can have peace. The first one is that we must make peace with God. The second one is we have the peace of God after we make peace with God. You cannot have his peace unless you make peace with him first. So you make peace with God, then you can have the peace of God. And lastly, and I didn't know if I should share this one because I'm afraid people are going to walk out. And it's making peace with others. That's the peace we're going to talk about. Um, so my message, the title for my message is simply this, how to keep the peace. Edmund, okay, say, so would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that we know that, that we can have something that we may not completely understand, but that we can have it because you are our peace. And we thank you that, God, that we experience not just between our ears, but that it, it is downloaded deep in our heart and in our soul, that it causes transformation. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So I'm going to start with a couple of scriptures that are connected. Both happen over 700 years before Jesus would show up in the picture in Jerusalem, born of a virgin. The first is Isaiah chapter 9 that says, For us, for unto us 
a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And then Isaiah, a few chapters later, on Isaiah 26, he says this. You will keep him in perfect peace, those whose mind is set on you, because he trusts you. How do we keep the peace? It's one thing for you to have a couple of hours away from your husband and, and your kids... I'm not talking about that kind of keeping the peace. How do you keep the peace beyond just a couple of moments a day? The first thing is you, might you need to make peace with God. Now, that sounds a little bit strange because for in order for us to make peace with God, we have to almost assume that there's been a fight where we got into it with God and both of us said things we didn't mean and both of us walked away and both of us have come to the point of agreeing to disagree. So we're just gonna act like it never happened and we show up to church and we're like, hey, what's up, God? You know? Um, hey, yeah. And it's, it's kind of that. sometimes you have this awkward dynamic with God in your prayers because you know things are not right. But you try to kind of play them along. The peace that we need to make with God has to do with the fact that we were born separated from God, that we have broken God's law. But in order for understand this type of peace that the Bible talks about, you have to understand where we could have the lack of peace. For example, James chapter 4 says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Merry Christmas. I mean, like, really, you're, Pastor Oscar, you're going there, right, on your firstborn, you're like, you're going there. But that's, but that's Christmas. It's not just a baby wrapped in a, in a wooden manger. It was probably not wooden, it was most likely made out of stone. Because this was the place where they would bring the sacrificial lamb. The same place. And Christmas is... We have to remove the cuteness out of it all and, and remember that, that Christmas, Jesus coming to this earth, it was God's attempt to help us be at peace with him because we were separated. And if Jesus doesn't come, we remain enemies of God throughout eternity. Jesus coming into this earth is God's way of saying, I have a way for you to be at peace with me, but it only happens through my son, Jesus Christ. We have to make peace with God, but not in the same way sometimes that we understand peace. We read it at the beginning out of Isaiah 9. It says, and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. So 
Sometimes when we read the scripture, we have to realize that the government that the Bible's talking about is not the government that first comes to our mind because we see a lot of that government every once in a while in our day today. It is not the same. In fact, the actual government, when it says the government will be upon his shoulders and increase of his government, it is not a human government. It is definitely not a Western or democratic government like what we experience. The meaning of government is rule and dominion. So for us to understand God's peace, you have to understand that heaven is not a democracy. It does not function like the government that you and I see, if, if, you, if you could assume that the government functions, but it is not, does not function how we think government functions. Heaven is a kingdom, and a kingdom is very different from, that, from a democracy. Because in the kingdom, there's one ruler, there's one king, he sits on the throne, he does not change according to popular opinion. He rules and directs. He has full authority and power. There is one great and mighty king who rules in wisdom and power and love. And for us to begin to understanding peace, you must understand his power, authority, and rule. You know, sometimes we can, we can hope we have peace by not having problems or issues around us. But the issue is that if we are not peace with God, the greatest issue that we'll have is how do we answer to eternity? If we do not make peace with God, we will have to answer where we'll, we will spend eternity one day. So God sent Jesus to help us answer that question in the right way. In the right way. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says in chapter 5, verse 8, very familiar verse, but God demonstrates his own love towards this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified or made just by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. We were enemies of God. And as enemies of God, we deserve God's wrath. But we're so grateful that God's wrath not, did not come upon us, but he came on his son, Jesus, so that instead of receiving wrath, we have the, 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 the opportunity to receive forgiveness through Jesus Christ. So to make peace with God it means to accept Christ's death for the forgiveness of our sin and to trust in his rule and authority as the King of kings and Lord of lords and to realize that he has a love for us when we begin to understand who he is and what he has for us, we can begin to understand peace. We can put our trust in Jesus and make peace with him and be forgiven of our sins. That is Christmas. That is Christmas. So to, have, to keep the peace, you must first make peace with God. But second, you must have the peace of God. And we're going to spend a little bit more time here because I, I wonder if this is where our world sort of lands today around this season. That I'm not talking about, 
you, you want peace as you go to the mall. You will not get that, I promise you. You will not. You would just, I don't care how, how, how much you pray. The only peace you'll get is if you order it online. That's about it. And even then, stuff's going to get delayed and, and you may not get it on time. So there's that. But the peace that we're talking about, is, it's different. The, the peace of God, this is the peace Isaiah talked about in, in chapter 26. You will keep him in perfect peace. Those whose mind is set on you because he trusts you. Now, I'm going to ask you to circle three words or highlight three words on your phone. The three words are keep, peace, and mind. Because I want to break those down. First of all, the word keep. You will keep him in perfect peace. It's more than just keeping. The, the, the word keep in Hebrew is nasar. It means to guard, to watch over, to watch, to preserve, to guard from dangers, to observe, to guard with fidelity, to keep secret, to keep close, to be blockaded. That's a lot. And I'm so thankful because that's exactly what God wants to do through his peace. The second word is peace or shalom. We're, we're familiar with this. It's shalom. And in the English translation, we, we read it perfect peace, but in the Hebrew, it's actually shalom, shalom. It's not perfect peace, it's shalom, shalom. You will keep him in shalom, shalom, those who put their mind on you because, because, you, because they trust you. Why is that a, a big deal? Well, because in, in the Hebrew, there's, there are no adjectives like we have in the English. You don't have good, better, great. So... To make something, to make a point about something uh, in Hebrew, you repeat it twice. So for you, for God to say, you will keep him in shalom, shalom. It's not just saying you're just going to have a, a good amount of peace. That means you're going to have God's best and greatest peace for you. And you need to make sure that you know this, that his peace is something that you're not going to be able to comprehend, that you're not even going to know that you need it. But when it comes, oh boy, will you be glad that it came because it is his shalom, shalom. And the third word is mind. And I love this because in the Hebrew is the word yeser, which means form, as in pottery, as in sculpting, a graven image, framing, purpose, framework. And the word that we want us to focus on is imagination. Because we typically don't, don't relate peace to imagination. But biblical peace you do. Let me explain. You could almost... We read this verse like this. You will guard, protect, and keep close and complete peace those who frame their thoughts and imagination on you. Man, that's a dagger to the heart of our lack of peace and chaos. Because when you read verses like this, typically, come on, you, you, if you read a good verse, you're like, I receive it. Mm, oh, I accept it. Oh, come on, Jesus. I, I want it. Yes, Lord, that's for me. I receive it. But I wonder sometimes the Holy Spirit looks at us and kind of like confused. Because he's saying, you, you receive it? Have you, I mean, I've done it. Like, yes, Lord, I receive that word. You're like, you received that word? A word was not meant to be received. It was meant to be acted upon. So you can receive it as much as you can. But if you're not walking with it, it ain't happening. Peace is the same way. There are times, listen, and I'm talking to myself. There are times that our lack of peace is, has not so much to do with what's happening 
around us of what we're going through, but has everything to do with the thoughts that we've allowed to create and rest from our mind to our heart. Sometimes our lack of peace has more to do with our imagination, where we're allowed of our imag imagination to go, to go that is not aligned with God's word. Let me explain it to you further. Romans 1.21 says this, For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their reasonings, uh, circle that word reasonings, and their senseless hearts were darkening. What is reasoning? Reasoning in the Greek is dialogismos, which means dialogue. That's where we get the word dialogue. It, mean, it means the thinking of a man deliberating with himself. So what happens sometimes Peace, the lack of peace comes when we begin to have conversations with ourselves that have not been had with God, the Father. And what the Bible says, when we have these conversations with ourselves, what happens is we turn into senseless hearts that are darkened. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says, We are destroying arguments and all arrogance raised against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of God of Christ. The, the word thoughts is the word logismus, which means thoughts and imaginations once again. So how do you receive peace? You take those imaginations captive under the obedience of Christ. And God reminds us, he will protect, he will God protect and keep close and complete peace those who frame their thoughts and imagination on him. Now, Sometimes we read God's word and, and we like what it says. But when, when it doesn't do what we think it's going to do, we get a little frustrated. You know what I'm talking about? We, we, we expected God to come a little sooner or respond a different way, but it doesn't happen. So we kind of said, well, that verse is not wrong. I, I remember one time in my 20s, I was in a car accident, flipped my car. It was awesome. <laughs> but because of that, I had to go to a chiropractor. And in one of my first visits, you know, one of the, the chiropractor's assistants, I, I don't know if it was her first day or not. It probably was because she took me to this little area. There are multiple areas in this chiropractor's office. And she told me to lie down face down, so I did, and... She lifted my shirt and began to connect these shocks or these pads around my back. There was about six or eight pads all throughout my back because it was going to be a, a shock therapy. And, and so you get these little shocks to your muscles and it kind of contracts them and contracts them. And so that you can, you know, accelerate the healing. And so she did that. But I, I quickly realized that I don't know that she had placed all of them in the right spot. Because I'm facing down, she turns it up and walks away, and then my back started doing this. <laughs> and I'm face down, and I'm going like this, and now, fellas, I have a couple of options. Do I either scream and say, hey, 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 come back over here, or do I save the embarrassment of that <laughs> and do nothing? And fellas, what did I do? Nothing, thank you very much. So I'm laying on this bed, just enduring, and I'm seriously, I'm going like this. I'm like, oh, my whole arm is going, and I'm just like, Lord Jesus, just help me for the next 15 minutes. 
I can do this. This does not feel good. This does not feel good at all. God, why am I here? Why? Lord, you were supposed to help me. And, and, and I feel like Elvis on the, on the <laughs> chiropractic table. And listen, I received the right diagnosis. This is the doctor that's in my x-ray. He knew what I was going through my body. He had felt me. He had gone through all the tests. The diagnosis was right. The prescription was right. But the application was incorrect. And because the application was incorrect, I walked out frustrated. And I began to point the people. I was like, that girl. Mm. <laughs> Next week when I show up, I'm going to be like, hey, by the way, just curious. You know, I'm just a beginner. Um, car wreck dummy. Um, when you put those pads on you, is your back supposed to go like, like this? And she's like, oh, no, there's not supposed to be anything like that. I was like, well, they did. They did. They did. They did. Yeah. Yeah. For 15 minutes, actually 20, because you were five minutes late. <laughs> but this is what we do with scripture sometimes. We read it, we expect something, the diagnosis is correct, but we don't apply it the way it is supposed to, so we're frustrated, and we end up blaming it on the pastor, or, or your family, or somebody else, or what's even worse, you end up blaming it on God. Because what you thought was going to happen didn't happen. I prayed, I fasted, God, you never answered me. So then we assume our imagination begins to tell us what truth is. Well, then God must be mad at me. Or God must be upset with me. Or God must be away from me. Or God does not love me. Or God doesn't care for me. Oh, this person hates me. Oh, this person doesn't like me. So our imagination begins to create truth that is not aligned with God's character. And instead, instead of choosing truth and God's character, we end up believing what our imagination tells us and leaves us behind without peace. Philippians 4 says this, Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything... Prayer and pleading with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will, all, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I love this because I, I, I never thought about this before. But the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Another way, to, another way to say that is the peace of God that you will not understand. The peace of God that your mind can make sense of. You can put into words peace of God. The peace of God. So I'm here trying to explain something that God said, by the way, you're not going to be able to put it into words. That your understanding is, because this is something heavenly, not earthly. We want to be able to see it, to get it. And God says, no, if you see it and if you get it, it's going to be too earthly. What I have for you is supernatural. It's heavenly. It's not democratic. It's kingdom-minded first. So what I have for you will cause transformation, even though you don't get it. So don't quit just because you got a couple of Christians or a couple of family members that kind of, during this Christmas season, they're going to make you, you know, go crazy on them. God has peace available for you. And I love the fact that God's peace will guard, 
what you can't feel or comprehend. He, will say, he says, you will got your mind and your heart. That means that even when my mind is wanting to, to go to the wrong places, God says, if you stay close to me, I'll make sure that they don't go too far. If you stay close to me, if you put your trust in me, I'll make sure that your feelings will eventually align with my truth. Don't just, I know you're feeling sad. I know you're feeling betrayed. I know you're feeling broken. But listen, don't give up on me just yet. Just stay with me and I will make those things. I will guard those things for you because I love you so much. That even when you're thinking the bad things, even when you're thinking the negative thoughts, even when you're feeling the bad things, if you just stay close to me, I will align those and I will bring purpose and glory for my name out of those things. That's God's peace. We usually think of peace as chaos being non-existent or God calming the, the storms of life. God, you spoke, the, you spoke peace into the storm. Come and speak peace into my storm. And sometimes God does not have the same answer to the same problem. And that drives me nuts. If you did it for them this way, why can you do it for me the same way? If you answer for those people that same way, why can you bring the same answer to me in the same way? God does not work like that. And we don't like it. And it drives us crazy, even though he could. And even though I believe he can speak peace into the storms of life. But here's the thing about peace. Peace always involves trust. Notice that peace and trust are in the same verse. Peace always involves trust, and trust always requires release. So the question is this. What are you holding on to that's keeping you from keeping God's peace? What is God going to say to you? You need to release this because the peace that you're looking for is not so much about what I can do for you as much as it is about what you are willing to let go. And release. What are you holding on to? Because you fear if you let go, God is not going to come through. And if he does come through, you're not really too excited about God's plan for your life. Because you don't really want him to answer the way he's, he's going to answer. And I know personally, listen, there were times when I prayed for peace that did not come in the way I wanted it or expected it. Because that peace was not, it had not so much to do with God doing things in my life, but had to do more with me responding to the truth he had already given me. When the world says, the world offers peace, but the world's peace is usually involved, it usually involves absence. You can have peace if you remove these people from your life. Or you cannot have peace if you lose weight or if you get rid of this or if you get rid of this relationship or if you just quit this, this job or this. You will have peace if these things are not part of your life. But God's peace has, not to, has nothing to do with absence, has more to do with presence. God says that even though there are people around you that you probably, um, that are probably there because God put them there for a reason in your life. <laughs> Oh, God, you love me so much. Why did you put these people in my life? And God says, even though they're there, 
If you just stick with me, listen, it's not about removing things from your life, but if it's about reminding you that I'm with you, that I put them there for a reason. Maybe you're in their life so that I can show them what true peace is all about. Peace is more about presence and God walking out things in your life than removing things from your life. See, and I love it because David understood this. This peace that surpasses all understanding has more to do with what God has for my life. And David said it this way. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Behold, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your protector. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not beat you down by night nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your goal out and you're coming in from this time and forevermore that is God's shalom shalom for you and it is complete <laughs> now this last one I need you to buckle up because to keep the peace we must also make peace with others the doors the doors are all being locked right now We have ushers ready. They've have all been given some electrical muscle devices that will be placed on your back as you walk out. Making peace with others is, is tough. But to understand God's shalom, you have to understand those three parts. We cannot experience true shalom, shalom, without this part. And in fact, let's be honest, some of us have not made the best peacemaking choices through our life as married people or as parents. And I'm gonna be vulnerable with you, uh, even though I asked permission to show this picture, but there are times where my, my peacemaking attempts uh, were futile. And I did my best. <laughs> there are other times where that shirt said, get along shirt. And I probably have three of those throughout my life. Because this, my understanding, my lessons through my Western, my Western thinking thought, this is the best I can do. Right there. No speaking, no sharing, no nothing. No, you guys are putting one shirt and you're gonna be you're gonna be in that shirt until you can get along with each other. So the ushers are gonna walk and they're gonna start passing our shirts right now. Because some of you may probably wanna wear it with the person that's sitting right next to you. No, I'm totally kidding. Totally kidding. But the fact is that God loves peace and listen. Peacemaking is such a big deal to God that it made it to Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon of the Mount, the Beatitudes. Where in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Maybe, because when I first read it, I thought, peacemaking, that's okay. That just means telling people, all right, have it your way, okay? I will not fight for this. Have your way. And by peacemaking, I'm not talking about Enneagram 9, okay? 
just for those of you weirdos. Um, it is not, peacekeeping is different from peacemaking. Because sometimes we feel like, I'm just, I'm just gonna keep the peace. Whatever I gotta do, I'm just gonna, I just don't want conflict. I just want people, I just wanna please people. I just want approval. I just wanna, I just wanna do what's, what's gonna create the most amount of peace. No, that's peacekeeping. Peacemaking doesn't run from conflict, runs towards conflict with the goal and purpose of bringing reconciliation. And when peace, when Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, he's talking about those people that are willing to go into the lives of others and say, I want to help you make peace with God. Or I want to help you make peace with each other. You two need to talk. It's been a long, it's been long enough. Are we going to have another Christmas with awkwardness in the room that everyone feels are, is, 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 is this how it's going to be? No, that is not healthy. We're going to talk it out like humans. And if you guys fight after, after this, maybe come back in a couple of weeks and we'll have a message for that. But you're going to be a peacemaker. One, you're going to help people reconcile to God and be reconciled with each other. Those are peacemakers. And, but let me tell you, peacemaking is hard. It's hard. It's, it's, it's dirty work. In fact, I love what... I love what the Bible says about peacemaking because from a biblical perspective, it is different than what we think. And it's so different that in ancient Jewish tradition, rabbis, if, if there would ever be a conflict between truth and peace, rabbis would say, choose peace over truth. In other words, we would be, in, be encouraged to say, I choose to be in right relationship over being right. That may save somebody's marriage today. That may save somebody, someone's relationship with their, with their kids. It's not just about being right. It's about being in right relationship. And these rabbis believe that for, for you to understand true shalom, that you have to be unified with God and unified with others over wanting to be right. And our world needs to see that lived out in Christianity so much today. Andy Stanley, pastor in Atlanta, says it this way. Man, people need to see Christians live out this. You are more important than my view and my opinion. My relationship with you, I care more about that than my belief and my opinion. And this is the shalom that Jesus offers. It's to make peace with God so that we can have the peace of God. And once we have the peace of God, we can have peace with others. And we can help others have peace with each other. In his name, Isaiah says, will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The peace that Jesus offers is not the peace that the world offers. In fact, there's such a vast difference that Jesus himself said it. 
peace I leave you. My peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled nor fearful. That's the message of Christmas. God wanting to have peace with you. That he sent his only son. He took the first step. But now we too have an opportunity to take the next one. To be at peace with God. He sent his son. Wrapped him in, in, in baby flesh. So that we could have an opportunity to be at peace with God. Listen, until you are at peace with God, you will not be at peace with yourself or at peace with others. It does not happen. The peace that the world offers is momentary peace. If you just try this, if you have this, if you have that, then you can have peace. And it is not moment, it, it, is, it does not last, it is momentary, and it does not deal with the question of eternity for your life. So I wonder who's here today that, that finds himself or herself in these three camps. Maybe you're here and you, you know that you know that you need to make peace with God because your relationship is broken. I'm going to pray with you today. There's some people here that you're desperate, especially because of the, se because of the season that we're living. Not to mention the, the insane and... and crazy world that we live in now and that you're in desperate need of peace but it's a peace that only God offers or maybe you're here and you know that you know that you know that you need to make peace with somebody else if you want God's shalom all of those three need to line up the cool thing is that He will guard your thoughts so that even when you think, God, I don't think I can do this. He says, I know you don't think you can, but I'm with you. Oh, God, I just, I don't know if I can start the conversation. I know you don't think you can, but I'm with you. Because I want you to be in right relationship. Even with people who think differently, believe different than you. So there it is. told you I was not going to put eyes on the Bible on your tacos this morning. Man, God knew what he was doing. When he called him Prince of Peace, he knew exactly what we would need. So if you're here this, this afternoon, maybe you're watching online, you're at the Emmett campus, would you, would you just pray with me and then We'll let one of our pastors come take over and then we just allow God to, to continue to speak to us. Father, God, I thank you that, that you don't give us what we think we need or what we think we want, but that you made available what you know our greatest need is through Jesus. So I pray today for every heart that is open for every heart that is in need of peace. And I ask through the power of your Holy Spirit, would you come and do what my words cannot do? Come and do what a church gathering cannot do. And work the miracle that only you can do by your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that you're with us, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. 
Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church give. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.